Welcome back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. I am Marco Flalo, as always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield on Twitter. It is at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report, and Mitchell, YouTube.com slash your tech report as well. I, this, this next interview is exciting for us, and it's kind of important too, because there's an amazing company out there that Mark and I have, Mark, we've both been fans of for years. We've been using their products for years. And strangely enough, in certain segments, people don't realize. What incredible products! I think let's 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 let the cat out of the bag. The, the the company is Sony, and I've been using Sony televisions for years. Mark, I know you have as well. And but there are other products that Sony makes that people might not know are absolutely incredible. And I'd I'd love to talk about their entire lineup. Basically, well, I, absolutely. I think the, the fact of the matter is, when it comes to consumer electronics. If you just think of the term consumer electronics, there is no other brand name that comes to mind. Really, there isn't. Sony has been the top of their game across every single piece of consumer electronics that we've probably ever had our hands on, had our ears on, from as far back as I can remember, Mitchell. And that's like I'm talking about from the Walkman stages. Let's fast forward a bit. Let's let's welcome our next guest, National Training Manager for Sony, Carl Warmanak. How are you? Welcome to your tech report. Very well. Thanks for having me, guys. We're so excited to have you on here, and because as we talked about, obviously leading up to the to the interview, uh, you know, we we talk about PlayStation a lot. We did the PlayStation VR hands on, thanks to our friends over at Best Buy. But when it comes to consumer electronics, you know, let's you know, from televisions to cameras to everything, we've never had the opportunity to speak to anybody at Sony, and and and, and I'm so happy that it's you know it's taken this long, but we're finally here. It's going to be a pretty cool experience. There's definitely a lot of places we can go with this, so I'm excited to uh, answer everything and anything you guys ask and throw at me. You know, Carl, I, I, let's let's start. Let's dive right in with televisions now. It, it, listen, every every brand, every manufacturer has their ha, has something that they're known for. And for me, having been a Sony television guy for so many years, to me that that cool, crisp, beautiful Sony picture, it, it just that's just what I gravitated towards for years. And and we all know how the press likes to talk recently about you know Samsung come up with a lot of televisions, and we know that LG is coming up with these great you know, OLED sets. But the fact is, Sony still, I recently set up both my mom's house and a friend of mine's house using only Sony televisions. I had hands-on experiencing, sell, you know, setting them up, calibrating. The pictures are still gorgeous. The, the 4K and HDR technology, still amazing. You guys are, are still doing it on the television side. It is an exciting time, obviously, for TVs. And, you know, let, let's face it, when you're spending... Two, three thousand dollars plus on a TV. Any brand's TV better be good. But what right. I realized with the Sony is that, you know, you're getting a television from the brand that is responsible for ninety percent of the content we love to watch. A lot of people forget about all the other things that Sony does from a professional level when it comes down to capturing content, editing it. We have a movie studio, a television studio. So everything that we watch on these panels has probably been touched by Sony in some fashion before it even gets displayed on that screen. And so um, that is one of the big things that really makes a Sony a Sony. It's not the four letters on the front of the box. It's it's really that professional background, that know-how, that really no other brand can bring to the table. And that's why we feel we give you the best you know, TV experience, 4K experience, and high dynamic range experience as well. You know, that brings up an interesting question because, you know, being such a large corporation, you wonder if the various groups think about each other when producing content, for example. I'm curious how, you know, you work within the company, you've been there for quite some time. What has your touch points been across the other brands, the, the content creators? Are they thinking about how those are being consumed at the end of the day when they're creating it? Very much so. Like, you know, I have the privilege that I get to go down to the Consumer Electronics Show in January of the year and get to see, you know, all the newest and coolest, not just from us, but from every brand. But I just came back from Las Vegas two weeks ago and I was at the NAB show. And that's the CES for the professionals, right? yeah. the guys that actually work with the cameras, capture the content, edit it, master it, all that stuff. And being able to see, you know, how they use Sony Consumer Electronics is, is pretty amazing. Like, you go into some of these editing bays. And they're using, you know, a Sony Z9 Master LED TV for their uh, content playback after they actually do all their color corrections. All the monitors that are used in those studios that are used for color correction, it's a Sony BVM X300 Master OLED. It's the reference standard that's used for all the colorists out there in in Hollywood. Um, I had the chance to go down to Culver City a while ago and had a chance to actually walk through the Sony Pictures lot and... You know, I walked through the sets of the Goldbergs and Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and all these crazy shows just to be able to see 
Sony, Sony, Sony everywhere, but including consumer electronics, that final touch point of content that we get to watch is played back on a Sony to final check everything. And the same thing plays for, for gaming. You walk into a lot of the proficient gaming studios in North America, and they're using Sony LCD TVs, and hopefully now the OLED, as their final touch point before they release their games to the market. So um, that's really promising to kind of know that you're buying a TV from the brand that is being used by all the pros to make sure that it looks good when it gets to our houses. You know, this has been going on for a long time because in addition to being in the studio system and seeing all those cameras in the studios as well now, I remember growing up as a kid and my dad worked in television. He was a newsman for years. And whenever I go into the, you know, the news studio, they would have Sony cameras. Of course, there's Sony Pro cameras d- doing the news. They'd have the Sony Pro monitors there. And I remember thinking, oh, well, if I'm going to get a TV, I'm definitely going to get a Sony. So, I mean, it does, obviously, it does have a lot of meaning there and a lot of stronghold for professional use. And the other thing that really kind of blows me away, and I want to talk more about the the OLED sets that you guys have right now, but just in general, the one thing, I mean, I, I never, I, I would never mind paying for a Sony product. Regardless of the price, I knew I was getting something great. Uh, Sony was never known as a budget brand. You, you, you know, you get what you pay for, but I'm looking at the pricing now in terms of, not the OLED, but the regular LED sets that you guys have, the 4K Ultra HD with HDR. Your prices have become incredibly competitive. Do you do you attribute this to the cost of manufacturing or the competition out there from the Samsungs and the LGs? Because I'm looking at the Sony prices, and they're really, really competitive, especially with all the features you guys have. Very much so. Like I, I feel that we offer probably the best value for the dollar. And we, there is a Sony set for everyone's budget. So you know, if you're looking to get into 4K for the first time as an entry set, or if you're looking for a premium TV or something in the middle of the line, um, we have a little bit of something for everyone from, you know, TVs that are mid-tier priced to have a full array backlight, which is just unheard of. Normally, you'd associate a full array TV with an ultra premium TV. Other brands offer their flagship TVs with a full array. We've got a TV right in the middle of our lineup called the X900E, uh, which is going to be a full array TV. And then, you know, you move into our premium TVs with slim backlight drives, and then we get into our premium Z9D, and then obviously the OLED. So... You know, we, ha- we have a TV that fits with every single price point. We're going to have a competitive set uh, with any other brand that's out there, and it's uh, kind of a no-brainer that you have to give Sony a look when you're doing your shopping out there, for sure. The, the, the market seems to have shifted, so we're now we're in the OLED world. And, and a couple of the buzzwords that people are using these days, there's two of them. There's HDR, and there's a, a bezel-less display. Uh, obviously, having a bezel-less display, I mean... Is it really that big of a deal, in your opinion, in terms of, uh, you know, having a bezel-less display? Is it bring people into the actual experience more? Is that why people are shifting towards that? Well, we've always had really slim, thin-profile TVs, even with our LEDs. But when we brought out the OLED this year, um, taking a step back, a lot of people forget that, you know, we, we've been making OLED for quite a while now. We, we actually introduced the world's first OLED back in 2008, a little 11-inch OLED. And... Now it kind of we were waiting for the processing to get to the point where we can take our OLED panel and really take it to another level. And we developed this Z9 TV back in the fall of last year that uses this processor called the X1 Extreme. And it's pretty much like the godfather of processors. And we were able to do something with that particular LED TV that no other TV has been able to do in terms of brightness and black level control. And we're able now to make that processor into this new OLED TV and what we're able to do is be able to give you the best picture quality in an OLED that's ever been seen before and be able to create a design that's never really been done before. This is really the first true, you know, bezel-less, frameless TV. The TV goes right down to the actual stand, so there is no feet or legs or anything like attached to it. There's a uh, pedestal that sits in the back of it that basically has it leaning slightly and has it sit nice and flush on the actual TV stand. So. Really, it's about an unobstructed view and an unobstructed sound experience. There's nothing that's going to deter your eyes from moving away from the screen. And it's a really amazing way to actually sit down and watch this. Uh, I'll I'll tell you a quick funny story. When I first got the OLED sample that I was starting to test and play out with here in Canada, and normally when I get a new TV, I'm going to test it and play with it for about 15, 20 minutes. I'll run through my favorite demo clips, a Blu-ray movie or two. I'll throw some gaming on there. And in about 20 minutes, half an hour, you know, I'm good to go, ready to be able to talk about this TV. And when I got the OLED for the first time, and I was just starting to play some 4K Blu-ray movies on it, um, 
I ended up watching the whole movie, which I never do. I'll always watch a scene, but I just got so drawn <laughs> into the picture that I rewatched this movie that I've seen probably 20 times. And the same thing happened with the game with Uncharted. I played Uncharted 4 in 4K HDR, and I played the game already twice through. But when I started playing it on the OLED again, I just ended up just walking around looking at stuff, like looking at, oh my God, I've never seen this shadow detail before. I've never seen the light be so bright before. I've never seen um, just how amazing the landscape can actually look. And so instead of playing the game, I just walked around in awe, just watching it for like two, three hours. It was just a really, really cool way of re-experiencing a game and a movie that I'm so used to watching. But the OLED just changed my experience completely. You know what, Carl? You, you know th- this doesn't just apply to the to the OLED. This is this is the entire range of Sony televisions because I I had your exact same experience. And this even you know combining it with the PlayStation Pro when I first got it with the Sony television, I started watching and, and basically I started taking out my whole collection of games. All of my and started like re-experiencing the games all the time. I was like, oh, I wonder how good this game will look now. I wonder how much better I'll see this game. So it really does change the experience for you. It makes everything that you have. It's like having an entire new library of movies, an entire new library of games to revisit. Right? It's it's very true. Right? The moment you get a new TV, you bring out all of your favorite movies again. You bring out all your favorite games again. You know, I I rewatched the whole. Um, seasons of Breaking Bad when they came out in 4K <laughs> on Netflix, right? Just because they got remastered in 4K. So it, it, it really changes your, your whole view on, you know, how you consume content. Once you get a new TV and you get to see, you know, how amazing it could look, you go back and start digging for all your favorite stuff and you want to rewatch it again. It's, it's an awesome, awesome thing to experience. Carl, let's shift to you know, content creation for a second, and specifically photography. You know, we, we're doing way more videos here on your tech report. It's on our YouTube channel, which we'll promote afterwards. And and we're actually, <laughs> you know, and I told you this before, and this is not because we're doing this interview, but Mitchell and I have been spending a lot of time evaluating the equipment that we use. And it actually kind of shocked me that some of the brand names I'm used to using weren't making what I needed, um, except for Sony. And Specifically, the A6500 is this, is this incredible feat of, of manufacturing and technology packed in an incredibly small package that's going to be our go-to from, well, whenever the delivery gets here forward um, on your tech report. You know, for ta- how important is that line for the company? So our alpha line, you know, continues to break barriers and change the way photographers, videographers capture content. You know, we we've really been one of the most innovative brands when it comes to that space in the last five, six years especially. We've really changed the game and we've made so many non-believers believers and <laughs> the A6500 is just such a gem. There, there's nothing else that even touches it on the market today. There's nothing that has the form factor, the weight, the ability to be able to take 4K video, slow motion, um, in-body camera stabilization, so every lens that you put on there gets the benefit of being able to shoot at one to two stops lower. So the ability now to be able to shoot in low-light situations, nighttime, areas where you'd normally need to have a tripod and some type of additional stabilizer or a real premium stabilized lens, the Alpha 6500 allows you to be able to capture content like no other camera in that price point can. And it's... uh, it's ahead of its time. It's really changing the way, like I said, content creators and curators um, capture their content. You know, Carl, it's funny that we're having this conversation now because it wasn't that long ago. And it wasn't that many years ago when people were saying, oh, if I'm going to buy a great point-and-shoot, a camera I can keep in my pocket, maybe a high-end point-and-shoot, oh, Sony's definitely the one I'm going to get. But if I'm going to go for a DSLR, maybe I'm going to look at the Canons and the Nikon. Now, fast forward to today, and you see so many pro photographers switching from their Canons and their Nikons, switching to a Sony. You see all the YouTubers switching from their Canons to a Sony. What does that mean to you when you see the industry leaders in digital photography all making the switch now from the brands that everyone thought was the number one brand all making that switch to the mirrorless sony stuff it's it's really exciting and like again going back to my experience at at neb here a couple weeks ago you know being able to see the excitement from the professional industry around our cameras you know our, our booth is huge but one of the busiest sections was our alpha section and it was honestly because i think the alpha 9 was just introduced yeah. a9 and it was there on display so a lot of people wanted to see and touch and try but you couldn't really walk through that section because everyone was crowding around to grab a Sony camera, 
to take a look at the lens assortment that we have and and really kind of get a feel on how can these cameras be integrated into professional shoots. But you're, you're right, like there are a lot of prominent YouTubers, videographers, documentary makers, movie makers that are switching to use our gear because, you know, they're just able to push the limits of their creativity with our gear that they can't with other products. And, you know, even though they've made the investment with another brand's gear, you know, Sony's made it very flexible that there's a lot of third-party adapters out there that you can use your favorite Canon or Nikon lens on a Sony camera and take the get the benefits of our processing and our speed and focusing and tracking, but using your favorite high-end piece of glass from another brand. So um, we're really, you know, changing the way people look at photography, and it's it's a no-brainer. You have to consider Sony and look at it when you're uh, making that move and looking to take the next step. Well, we're definitely making that switch, and you know what? I, w- I-, I wish we had an hour to talk to you because, you know, if you look at the complete Sony lineup, I mean, from, you know, projectors, Blu-ray, DVD players, camcorders, I mean, audio, you guys are still pioneering in, in terms of audio from, you know, from headphones to MP3 players to wireless speakers to, to everything you're doing, obviously, in the photography and the mobile devices and, and tablets. We, we'd need probably three shows just to cover everything that <laughs> well, Sony we'll have does. We'll back, Mark. We'll have to have him back. Well, that's well. That was my next question. Was do, do you think that you can come back on a future show and maybe talk about some of the more innovation that Sony's doing as things progress? I'd love the opportunity to come back. This well, is just the uh, the teaser, I guess. Right? Yeah. This is well. This is you know. This is what we have to do, especially when we're, when we're exposing our listeners and it's our first interview with someone. We need to give them a little taste of of what they're in for and realize that we're not going to bite. We promise we don't hurt people when we do our interviews. Are really, it's really about you know presenting consumer electronics in a way that our audience kind of enjoys it. And and we really, I, I thank you so much for taking the time to be here because you know our, our listeners enjoy it, we love it, and we can't wait to get our hands on time with a lot of the products that we just talked about. Absolutely, I really appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to next time. There's more your tech report after this. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. Welcome back to Your Tech Report. I am Marco Flalo in Montreal. As always, joined by Mitchell Whitfield in Los Angeles. Follow along with us on Twitter. It is at Your Tech Report, Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash Your Tech Report. Now, Mitchell, still to come on this show, we're going to speak yes. to a new friend of ours, Carl Warminiak from Sony, all about their whole product line. But right now, I'm really excited because if you checked out our YouTube channel, you checked out our website, about a week ago or so, I unboxed a new product. And I installed yes, this did. new product, and uh, I tested it out. And this is the brand-new EcoB4 smart thermostat. Now, it, it's funny because I say those words, and... Um it's like smart thermostat is like just scraping the surface of what this product actually does. But so before we even get into obviously the details, I want to bring our, our guest on, and and this is Casey McKinnon. He's a VP of product for Ecoby. Welcome to your tech report. Yeah, thanks. Uh, really happy to be here. Really excited uh, about the product and uh, happy to share the story. Well, hey, Casey, this is Mitchell. Now, normally I would let Mark continue and start off our interview, but I I have to jump in for a second. I want to hear your exact reaction to what I'm about to say, okay? Okay, here's, fire away. here's the thing. I, I, you know, Mark and I, work, well, obviously we have a tech show, so we're tech guys. We like having tech around our homes. And I'm about to redo my, you know, my HVAC system here. And... I'm looking around, and I've had, I've had, I'm not going to lie, I've had a different brand of smart thermostat in my home, and I'm looking around. I'm now on on, the, on your product page for the EcoB4, and I'm thinking to myself, what kind of idiot, what kind of animal have I been living like, not having an EcoB thermostat in my home? I'm ready to rip out exactly what I have and replace everything with the EcoB4. Do you get this reaction a lot? Because I'm looking at everything this does. It's so much more than just a smart home thermostat, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I think as soon as you do, uh, as soon as you hear about it, and you know, you learn about things like, you know, how we uh, use room sensors to detect temperature in not just in one place but throughout the home. It's like it kind of all makes sense to people, and uh, and the fact that it just works. Like once you once you plug it in, get it set up, and you'll notice right away that it actually is a device that actually makes you more comfortable. It's not just a, a thermostat or you know just something pretty that sits on your wall. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm also, uh, you know, really, uh, humbled to hear that. Now, Casey, you know, I, I was kind of like Mitchell, and, and I'll name that comp- competitor. I was using a Nest thermostat because yes, it was. I have the Nest. That's it, right. It was, that's right. Yeah. You know, it was a cool one at the time, and I, I decided 
because I'm way more into the whole smart home and, and connected devices than Mitchell is. We're, we're still pushing him. We'll, we'll get him there. Um, I'll get there. I went all in on HomeKit. So it was a natural decision for me to make the switch from Nest to Ecobee. And I, I, I've never looked back, and I will continue to use your products forever. And, and one of the reasons is the simplicity of the installation. Like, people have this pre, pre, preconceived notion that it, it's hard to install this. Sure, you can get a professional to come in and do that, but if you have any kind of modern you know, HVAC system installing this, you guys have made it so easy. Number one, by including everything in the box that you need. Number two, by including incredible instructional videos. But number three, by the level of support you guys provide. You know, I, I was able to send a picture of my wiring and get a response within quite honestly, hours saying, no, you need to do this and do this in order for it to work. So a big kind of hand clap to you guys, but you've got to, <laughs> you really, you've stumbled on a, an incredible model here that works so well. And I'm wondering if you get that same feedback from your users. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think, you know, when uh, you think about the what a thermostat was, right, it was the kind of thing where you would just you know, when maybe you got a furnace upgrade or something like that, you one a new one would just appear on your wall, installed by a by a professional. And now, you know, with the way that we make everything so easy, it's the kind of thing that you really can do yourself. And uh, and you know, we we're constantly looking for ways that we can make installation simpler because you know we know that you know your success is our success. If you're able to install this thing and make it really easy, you're a lot more likely to you know tell someone that hey, I did that myself. And you know, there's a lot of pride that comes with you know, being able to make improvements to your home, and it also saves you a lot of money. And I think that that aligns really closely with you know the values that we have as a company. Is we're not just uh, you know, first of all, we want to save the planet, but you know, I think being able to help people save money is something that I think we can all agree is is an awesome thing. And you know, not having to use a professional to install it, um, you know, I think contributes to that. You know, one of the things that Mark and I talk about both on the air, off the air is how companies continue to evolve and how, can, how companies strive to maintain relevance. And they do that, obviously, by expanding their product line or integrating new services into existing products. You guys really did something very cool here by integrating Amazon's Alexa service into this thermostat, into this ecosystem. How does this work? And this was like a, this is a big move for you guys because Alexa is becoming prevalent in so many products and it makes it so much easier to use the eco before correct yeah absolutely i think you know i think the the thing that we we made the decision on was we saw that um, the ability to use your voice uh you know to to control your home we saw that as something that you know people were starting to do more and more with devices like alexa um and that you know the ability to to not have to like walk up to the device or actually not even to have a device like an Amazon Echo or something like that in your home was kind of that next level where you know you can just talk in your house anywhere you are, and um, if your thermostat is within earshot, you know you can ask what the weather is. You can get a you can get a flash briefing. You can play music through your thermostat. Like I never, <laughs> when I started working here, I never thought in a million years I'd be working on you know the equivalent of like you know the Beats version of of a thermostat but you know we spent a ton of time like I personally spent a ton of time in the lab you know agonizing over you know how should we integrate the speakers how should we integrate the amplifier into this how do yeah. the microphones best perform from a far field standpoint so being able to you know be in a different room or how does it compete with the noise of a home and uh, you know that's really where a lot of the the innovation went into was not just integrating the service but all the work that we did around making the audio experience amazing. Now, did you get any help from the Amazon folks in terms of, because they've been, you know, they've had their Echo speaker out for a while and, and they've been fine-tuning their far-field voice technology. Is that something they helped you with or at least guided you a little bit? Um, a little bit. I think what ends up happening with when you work with a company like that is, you know, they, they really set the standard because they, want, they only want to integrate with companies that will deliver a super high-quality product that ultimately benefits the customer. And they have this, philosophy, this overriding philosophy that they have, which is to start from the customer and work backwards. So really what they did was they set a standard for us that said, you know, your device needs to work up to these uh, standards. And they were, they were really tough. And it was really up to us to figure out how we were going to meet the standards. Today, they, they've, uh, they've launched things like development kits and making it easy to, to, easier to integrate um, Alexa into these systems. But when we started working on this, which was about two years ago, um, you know, none of that stuff existed. So, you know, we definitely collaborated with them, but a lot of the work we were, you know, we were pioneering and we were off working on our, on our own. 
Hey, Casey, I just one of the things I wanted to jump to was the software, the app. And the, Mark was using, of course, the, the iOS app to control and to interact with the uh, Ecobee 4. And people, I think people sometimes take apps for granted, but this is the user interface. The way that we use these products, the UI becomes incredibly important. And when he was going through the setup and when Mark was giving me the demo, and then, of course, on the YouTube video, I was pretty impressed by how easy it was to use and to interact with. You guys really did a good job on the design side side with the UI. That's a pretty important thing as well these days, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we have we have a pretty big team here now that is, is really just focused on the software side of things. So, you know, again, like our our goal is to have like a fully integrated product. So something that's not just, you know, beautiful hardware or an audio experience, but also ties together all the elements of the touch interface that you've got. And and I, I think again, we've iterated on that over the last two years to get to the point where we are now, where we really feel like we have something that is intuitive and and is uh, you know is really remarkable. So yeah. You know, Casey, I, I, I sometimes forget that, you know, not everybody's kind of like us who've had hands-on time. So I wanted to reiterate to our listeners a bit of what, you know, what the Ecobee does in general. Obviously, it's a thermostat at its core. It has great features such as setting your away schedule and your home schedule so you can balance your cooling and your heating and, and your costs at the end of the day. I mean, the use of sensors is something that's, I guess, fairly new. It was something that was introduced last year, if I'm not mistaken. Can you explain how the sensors work in conjunction with the thermostat to balance your home's temperature? Yeah. So, uh, you know, conventional thermostat only reads the temperature in one room. And that, that room is not, um, is not always the best place to determine, like, what is the overall temperature of the house. So it might be in uh, a hallway or, um, you know, on a different floor from, from wherever you are or wherever you want to be most comfortable. So what we've done is we've, um, we ship in the box a free room sensor that you can place anywhere else throughout the home and then you can buy additional ones but what they do is they sense both the temperature of the room as well as occupancy so it understands where you are in the house and and understands you know what your preferred temperatures are and allows you and it basically better informs the thermostat to say okay well is it too hot or too cold for the occupants of the home right now and and really it's up to you you set those preferences as to you know where you want to be and then because we can sense temperature in these different rooms we know well you know we don't want to tell people go put on a sweater if you're like you know in the basement or when you go to bed um, you know put on an extra blanket or something like that we'll know oh this person's in the bedroom and at night they like the temperature to be 73 degrees and we can read the temperature in the bedroom then that just better informs the thermostat for you know when to turn on or turn off the heating and cooling. Uh, lastly, what it, what it also enables us to do is by sensing occupancy throughout the home, we can understand when you're not home and we can turn down the thermostat to help you save money. Uh, so it, it really is kind of, it was, this was our, our breakthrough and our customer uh, driven insight that we said like there has to be a better way to make people more comfortable and that the standard thermostat just wasn't, wasn't cutting it. So these room sensors are really what what delivers that comfort. Yeah, they absolutely do. And I listen. I'm firsthand experience. It's a, a perfect example. You can even monitor them and see where it detects occupancy, et cetera, et cetera. And you can feel the difference in the home. And I, and I really do in my home. You know, you guys, you're so focused, obviously, on you know other other than the, creating the product, but on the environment as well. Um, so you're Energy Star certified. Uh, what exactly does that mean to you guys as a company, and what does it mean to the consumer, really? Um. I mean, as a, as a company, I think what it means is like we, we really, um, you know, we actually participated in the creation of the standard for, for Energy Star because there are just not, there's not a lot of data that's available for how, um, you know, conventional thermostats or conventional heating and cooling equipment operates because they don't actually collect data. Um, you know, like non-connected uh, thermostats. So, um, you know, using a device like ours, first of all, allows companies um, like Energy Star to be able to say, you know, you know, exactly how does this work and how does this help people save energy? And so we're actually able to uh, objectively prove that, you know, the device does help you actually, um, actually save energy. So uh, first of all, I think it's like, you know, this is not just hocus pocus, like, oh, in theory, <laughs> this should help you save energy. It does. But we had to share with them hard data to show, yes, in fact, uh, it does and, and this is how it works. 
And then for the customer, what it means is, you know, there, there are a lot of smart thermostats on the market, but there are very few that um, have gone through the rigor of Energy Star certification. And uh, I would say, you know, it's really just another, another assurance that any customer can have that the device they're buying is, um, you know, is a serious device that will actually um, help you save energy. Yeah, and one of the things I noticed during setup was um, you guys ask if the user, uh, or myself exa- that for that example, is willing to share the data. And I was actually absolutely ready and willing to share that data because I know that it's important to how you guys uh, you know, measure things and how Energy Star realizes you know, exactly how much energy you share. So uh, I was more than happy to do that. And I encourage people who are using it to do the same thing because there's no real, you know, there's no privacy concerns there. It's really just air conditioning data. Yeah, and it's all anonymized. Um, and then, you know, that that is uh, that's related to. We have this program called Donate Your Data. Um, and and if you do choose to opt into it, and it is totally opt in, like you mentioned, um, if you do choose to opt in, we actually um, share this information with um, scientists and and educational institutions uh, throughout the world on um, how homes um, heat and cool, um, you know, throughout different different times of year in different climates. Uh, different sizes of homes, different locations, that type of thing, and and uh, giving people the ability to research things like thermal modeling and 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 how to make better energy efficient homes. So again, this is not just ours, and and we're not just being capitalistic here purely. This is like we're actually sharing this data freely with research institutions to again like contribute to um, a better world. Well, you know, I also wanted to jump in and mention not only does that Energy Star certification, like you said, it helps us like in an ecological way worldwide, and it also helps us save, you know, electricity, gas in a lot of homes and saves you money there. But for example, in Southern California, where I'm based, not only do you, you know, will you get rebates from the gas company, you'll get rebates from DWP that will cover the cost of a smart thermostat in your home when you're upgrading to an efficient system, to an efficient smart thermostat, an efficient HVAC system. So, so it saves you money in a whole bunch of ways. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody. I think throughout North America, there there are a lot of programs that are available to subsidize the cost of these devices. And yeah. I would say to anyone, you know, you know, if you're considering looking at one of these, go and look at your energy provider and see if they do have a rebate program uh, in place. Uh, because in in many places, uh, they're actually mandated to to offer these kinds of uh, rebates on products. So. It's a great place to look uh, first to see if you can just, you know, start with saving yourself a few dollars. Well, Casey, I want to obviously congratulate you on all the success of this thermostat. Uh, for those people who are interested, go to uh, e- ecobeat.com. You can see when it's going to be available north of the border. It's available now in the U.S. for $249, right? Yeah. Excellent. Casey, do me a favor. Will you please come back on the show? Because I know that there's some other products that are going to be announced soon that you can't talk about today. But I, I-, I definitely want to talk to you more. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited to if, if Yusuf uh, here would would let me share, but he won't. Uh, you know, share the roadmap and and the kind of stuff we're working on. But we're working on definitely some really cool stuff that I think go, you know goes part and parcel with that mission that we talked about about helping you save energy and save money, but also have something that just really works really well and is easy to install and. You know, that's the mission I'm on here, and yeah, I can't wait to be back on the show to talk about it again. Well, we look forward to having you, and I think I'm coming to visit you guys sometime in July. I was extended awesome. invitation, so maybe uh, maybe I'll sign some legal papers before so you can uh, show me some things I shouldn't see. Yeah, we'll give you a T-shirt. Ooh, I like the T-shirt. Yeah, well, wait, forget yeah. the T-shirt. Mark, grab a couple of EcoB4s for me because I'll have my new AC system then. Yeah, you can go online and buy that, shop.ecobee.com. Okay, that's fine. I'll do it. (laughs) Casey McKinnon from Ecobee. Coming up, we are going to dive into the product lineup that is Sony. Stick around. It is your tech report. There's more your tech report after this. Welcome back to your tech report. Welcome back to your tech report. Mark Aflalo and Mitchell Whitfield with you on Twitter at your tech report, Facebook.com slash your tech report. Of course, our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash your tech report. Mitchell, I, I got the A6500. I wasn't lying about that. Uh, if you check out our latest review, which was on the Circle by Disney, which is on our YouTube channel, you can see all that footage completely 4K with that A6500. Very cool camera. I, I yep. want to get more done with this so you can kind of experience. I should do a review of the camera, but it's hard to do a review of that camera with a different when you camera. have to use a different camera. It's kind <laughs> of like, I don't want to have to lie to people about that. But anyhow, thank you very much yeah. to uh, to Carl uh, from Sony and, of course, to our good friend Casey from, uh, our new good friend Casey from uh, Ecobee. Very cool stuff. Let's talk, let's talk some computers here. 
Let's talk some computers. Well, you know, it's no secret, though, over the years we, we have had and we continue to have a great relationship with the folks at Dell and Alienware. And, uh, you know, being a gamer, we're both gamers. Uh, I also do PC gaming in addition to the console gaming with the Switch and the PS4 and the Xbox One. And, uh, like I said, Ray Watkins, friend of the show from Alienware, always sends us the latest and greatest that they have out uh, for desktops and laptops. And, you know, recently... Alienware made the very... I didn't realize this until I read this recently. It's the first 13-inch, well, technically it's 13.3-inch gaming laptop they've ever made. You know, I had the Alien Alienware 14 before, which was their smallest one. Yeah. Now they have an Alienware 13. Um, I, I want to start this off, and, I, and there's a reason I'm doing this. Obviously, you know, they send us things to review. We get our hands on stuff, sometimes early, sometimes at release. Uh, we are not, it's, it's a, not a sponsored piece, and we're not, not paid Not a product by, endorsement, it's just it's Exactly, we're not paid by it. Alienware to shill their products. It's not what we do. Um, that being said, anything that you hear me say is going to be my feelings about this particular machine. I have to preface it. I have to preface this by saying that because I had such a visceral reaction to this machine in a good way. This Alienware 13 to me may be to me, and again, this is to me and for my needs, the perfect gaming laptop. I'm saying that because it's sort of, it hits everything that I need and want in a gaming machine. Well, let, let's start off by, like, by saying, by talking about the design a little bit, Mark. As I said, it's a 13.3 inch computer. Yeah. Uh, it is, it, it, the design of this is absolutely stunning. It's an aluminum magnesium alloy chassis uh, that it, it, it's strong, but it makes the machine more lightweight and you know, Mark, over the years, Alienware has been known for beautiful designs. It was sometimes on, on the more unusual side. Yeah. Uh, in this case, yeah, it doesn't look like anything you've seen before, but it looks beautiful. The angles, the lines in this machine. Alienware has not forgotten that at the end of the day, Mark, a gaming laptop is not designed to be two millimeters thick. It's not designed to be an ultra-thin laptop like something that you'd be using to browse the web or do some light work on for work and travel with. This is a gaming laptop. They want it to be portable and they want to take some of the weight and some of the edges off of it in terms of the size and they've done that it's very portable it does not feel that heavy when you're traveling with it however they don't make it so thin that they have to remove a lot of the things that makes a great gaming laptop great which is the ports that you need so thank you yeah. alienware for not skimping on the ports this machine has everything you'd need but let, let's start off a little bit with the specs they sent us kind of the mac daddy uh, of this of the lineup and it it sports the uh, the most gorgeous OLED screen, Mark, a touch-enabled OLED screen. Oh, really? That oh yeah, and you can only get this in the top of the line version, the Alienware 13. But the screen, I, I I could sing songs about the screen. The blacks are are night black. You can't even see like the edge where the screen ends, the black edge of the screen, and actual black on the screen. That's how gorgeous. And, and when you're gaming, you think it doesn't make a difference, but you talk about, I've heard you mention level of immersion, Mark, when you're playing a game, when you're doing something. The level of immersion, when you have this graphic fidelity, when you're playing, you will not see a more gorgeous screen on a gaming laptop than you will see on the OLED version, which I said, it's about the $2,000 version of this machine, which I have to tell you, even a 2000 or 2100 is an excellent, oh, it's an excellent value yeah. because you're getting a GTX 1060 NVIDIA graphics card, 16 gigabytes of RAM, quad-core i7 processor, 5, 512 uh, solid-state hard drive. This machine screams. It's absolutely fast. And, and this is what I can't understand how they do this. They made a machine that not only has everything that I said, they managed to pack it in this form factor that's still pretty lightweight and portable, but they have so many ports on here. And, and this is something that a lot of computers have been eliminating. And Alienware found a way in the design. I think part of the way they did that, Mark, is, and I can show this to you later. We're going to be doing a video next week on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash your tech report. You'll be able to see it. They took the, the hinge. You know how the hinge of the laptop when you're opening up the screen is flush to the back of the unit? Normally, yeah. They actually pushed, well, they actually pushed the screen about an inch and a half forward on the chassis. So when you open up the screen, there's a, still a piece that juts out. Now, design-wise, not only is this really unique and make it look really cool, but by doing that, it allowed them to keep the ports 
And not only that, but also have extra cooling because this machine stays in, for all its power, it stays incredibly cool. They, they've done an excellent job with the, with the thermal dynamics of this machine because it does stay, stay cool. Yes, at full load, if you're running uh, a game at full load, ultra settings, the fans will kick in, but the fans are not loud. And most of the time, they don't need to kick in because this beast, this beast of a machine will eat the heat and not let you suffer for it anyway. Um, on the back of the machine, again, I said the fans are there. You also have every port that you could ever imagine. I actually, uh, you have a USB 3 type C port. You have two USB 3 type A ports with a traditional, which is a traditional USB, you know, the rectangular slot. You have a killer networks, and I'm, re- I'm mentioning killer networks for a reason, because they make some of the best, you know, hardwired Ethernet ports and wireless cards on the market for gamers with low latency, great connection rates, lets you put your you know, put your data stream toward the game that you want and not let your computer system hog it towards something else. You have a mini display port, HDMI 2.2, uh, 2.0, Thunderbolt 3 port. I'll go on, Mark, because there's more. An Alienware graphics amplifier, amplifier port. Do you know what that is, by the way? You know that Alienware sort of pioneered this idea of an external graphics card. Yes, so I remember that. It, exactly. So if a GTX 1060 isn't enough for you, <laughs> which, by the way, it should be it should for be, anyone... Yes. Yeah, um, you can actually plug into an external, uh, have an external card that you plug in using their chassis, the external chassis they make. Um, and of course, you have you know the power, the uh, USB Type A port with PowerShare technology, you have the headphone jack, microphone jack, audio out, all the things you'd expect. I have been playing. I've been playing a lot of Blizzard games on this. I've been playing Overwatch, Diablo, a few other games. I cannot find a way to make this machine slow down. (laughs) Anything I throw at it, it plays beautifully. I've taken this on the road with me a couple of times. I always get oohs and ahs from people asking about the machine, and I have to go through the specs and how much I love it. And, of course, Alienware is all about customization, but they did it in a really cool, subtle way. The touchpad has backlighting so you can you can customize the color of your touchpad it's lit from below That's cool. the alienware logo on on the front of the screen as well as the alienware head which is of course their iconic symbol uh that's on the uh on the exterior of the top of the machine you can customize the lighting there it's a four zone keyboard that allows you to customize your keyboard with different led lights Mark, I also want to bring up the keyboard because to find the sweet spot in a keyboard, especially when you're talking about a laptop where there's not a lot of room, where everything is built in under the keyboard, to find the right amount of travel, the right amount of sensitivity, these guys really nailed it. This keyboard is probably the best gaming keyboard I've ever used, and that includes some keyboards that were standalone keyboards. So they did a great job with that. And for people that game, I know some people say, oh, why make a big deal about the keyboard? Well, when you're, you know, when you're relying on that level of control and accuracy and that sort of when you're used to a certain level of travel when you're a gamer, these things do mean something. So having a killer keyboard kind of makes sense. All in all, uh, I can't really find anything to complain about with this machine. <laughs> I've been using it. I've been traveling with it. Uh, it, You know, I, will, I do want to mention something because I've been seeing online people mentioning gaming laptops uh, when it comes to battery life. The, the average person, I have to say, is not going, the average gamer will never use this machine unplugged. Yeah, you can use it unplugged, and it's not going to last forever when it's unplugged because you're really putting this through, you know, some intense usage when you're coming to, when it comes to setting ultra graphics level when you're, when you're playing a game. So, battery life, honestly, I didn't test the length of it because for me as a gamer, it didn't matter because I'm leaving this thing plugged in when I'm gaming. Maybe in a, on another day, I'll, I'll test the battery life. But if you're a gamer, you know you're not leaving this thing unplugged. You're keeping this thing plugged in for full screen. You want that screen at the brightest. You want all the settings at max. So I absolutely love this machine. You can go to Dell.com and check out all the different versions of it. I believe it starts as low as about $1,100 or $1,200. I have to take a look at that. They have have different levels of the machine with varying processors. Yeah, it's $1,399 Canadian, so you're looking at about $1,000 US. And that, that to me, and you know what? I can, wait a minute. Let me me look right now, because you can customize this thing. Yeah, I believe I believe it does start around eleven hundred or thousand dollars, and to get a machine of this quality, or even if you're getting the base model, obviously the OLED screen is only going to be on the you know the two thousand dollar plus model. But even the base model is still going to have that gorgeous design, all these ports, great power, and Alienware, which used to be a name that you associated and still is with high end gaming rigs. A lot of people think, oh, that can't be affordable. They've done a great job of keeping the prices reasonable for entry level machines and still getting great support, great. Alienware quality. There's so much more to talk about this. I'll probably do more on a different show, but I had to share this machine. Alienware
Seymour 13. Go to Dell.com. Check it out. And I, again, do not want to give this back ever. I love the fact that when they advertise this, they also advertise this as a VR gaming laptop. That gives well, you an example of how powerful it is. That exactly right. Yeah. I mean, 4K output. Even though the I think the native screen resolution for this beautiful display is twenty five sixty by fourteen forty. That's the native display. But in terms of the machine's output, when you're going to an external monitor, fully supports 4K gaming. Fully supports any of the VR headsets. It's a beast. It's portable, and it's mine. At least for now, it's mine. Not how long I have it. Yeah. <laughs> it is your tech report, Mark Flalo Mitchell Whitfield, with you. Thanks again for joining us on this week's show. Again, thanks to our friends over at Alienware for sending a laptop over. Uh, Casey McKinnon from uh, Ecobee. Check out uh, Ecobee.com for that Ecobee 4 thermostat. And, of course, uh, Carl from Sony. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on Facebook.com slash Your Tech Report for the latest in breaking tech news and reviews. YourTechReport.com This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. We're really proud of Timeline. <laughs> We're going to reimagine Windows. Microsoft is announcing the breakthrough game console called Xbox. We've created a platform attuned to consumers' changing behaviors and an evolving sense of play. We set out to make the best watch in the world. And today, we're introducing Nexus 7. This is it, Xbox One. And we are calling it iPhone. The latest news, the newest products, the biggest names. Welcome to Your Tech Report. Online at yourtechreport.com. Join Mitchell Whitfield and Marco Flalo for the next hour of Your Tech Report. And you can do so in so many ways, Mitchell. Twitter is one of them. Twitter.com slash yourtechreport. You can go to Facebook.com slash yourtechreport. You can go to YouTube.com slash yourtechreport. You can go to yourtechreport.com and find out all the fun things that we do on this show. And this show is going to be a fun one because we've got Sony, we've got Ecobee, we've got an Alienware 13-inch gaming laptop that's going to blow your mind, and so much more. You know, I don't want to toot our own horn, Mark, but we we get some really good guests. We review some really good products. We're pretty good. <laughs> I don't say that enough. Well, you know what? It's good because I don't have enough of a reach with my bad joints. Patting myself on the back actually becomes not only inconvenient but a little painful. And I'm not going to so do that So it's good for that I don't either. do it too often. Uh, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. You know, sorry we missed the show last week. Um, you know, a series of unfortunate events, really. Uh, we had to do a rerun because I was sick and everybody was sick and it was just like... The the, uh, the petri dish of disease that were running through my house. I don't know about your house, but it was just uh, oh, I had no voice. Terrible. It kept coming. It kept going. It was it was really difficult. And this transcends, uh, you know, East Coast, West Coast, North America. I mean, you know, the states and Canada. Every one of this, there's this horrible flu that's going around. It comes in many different forms. Here's the sad part, Mark. Talk about technology. We should actually have some doctors or some lab research doctors on Why the show. Why can't you cure the common cold? <laughs> no, no, it's not just that. But you know, when you know, talk about the flu, the technology that goes into a flu shot. Yeah. For example, every year, the doctors and, and, and the the biochemical researchers they're actually growing different viruses every year to because that's what a flu shot is you're actually being injected with a virus yeah, they're never and they sure try and, what strain is going to go exactly. around and so normally it's a year this, old strain it's yeah it's, yes. it's tough so they're building the virus they're building your vaccination based on what they think the prevalent virus is going to be that year but they never get it 100 percent right they can't a lot of it is you know conjecture so basically you know tracy my wife she had the flu shot this is the first year i didn't get the flu shot she did have the flu shot okay she got the flu worse than i yeah, did i know it's, it's, so there's no you know i'm not saying don't get the flu shot believe me it's a great idea but you just don't know. And whatever, to all of you that are not feeling well, hopefully you turn on the radio, you listen to us on the web, however you're listening to us through our podcast. We hope we're bringing you a little bit of joy. And please keep those questions, those emails, those requests, those product re- you know review requests coming because we like tailoring the show around you, especially when you're sicky poo. So we're kind of entering this whole developers conference season. We, we kick it off, I guess, with uh, Microsoft has theirs. It's about two weeks ago. Lots of cool stuff announced there. This week it was Google's turn. Google had their I.O. conference. Lots of cool stuff, really, on the software side. We're talking about the advancements of AI, artificial intelligence, and how they're using a lot more AI algorithms in kind of everything they do, from Google Photos to Google Home to their assistant, which, you know, the first big announcement is their assistant is now available on iOS devices. So if you've got that iPad or that iPhone or that iPod, you can get Google's assistant right there. 
Uh, yeah, my, my main point, and I have to, we have to actually get some hands-on time with it, because my question is going to be how much Apple will allow Google's Assistant to access Apple's software or Apple's features within the phone. That's the, that's the sort of, you know, that's what I want to see, how that relationship yeah. works out, what it will actually control. Well, one of the challenges is, you know, when you press and hold your home button, it calls Siri. The way they're kind of getting around that is they have a widget built into their app, so you can add that widget to your lock screen. So when you go, just going to quick glance at your phone, you can fire the assistant right there, which is which is kind of cool. Google Home is the next on the list that really kind of got enhancements. The new features that Google Home gets, because it's a speaker, you can now stream Bluetooth any kind of music you want to the speaker itself over, you know, what, you know, people use AirPlay on certain certain platforms. Now you can stream music, you can stream Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and other services, plus just regular streaming, which is a cool addition to home. Plus, it's getting smarter in terms of recognizing who's talking to it and when they're talking to it, and therefore determining what calendar to add things to or let you know if you're running late for something, which is a really neat addition. It's a really neat addition and something that the folks at Amazon with their Alexa line of products, which we've talked about expanding exponentially all the time, uh, and something that Alexa cannot do, which is stream Bluetooth. Let's say from your iPhone, you have music that you want to play from your Apple Music, and you want to stream that on your you know, Alexa-enabled Echo speaker. You can't do that. But on Google Home, now you'll be able to do that. Google Photos gets a major overhaul. Really, it's, it's the major overhaul is all about and its machine learning. Um, you'll be able to you know, create these albums automatically. You can order a soft color cover or a hardcover version of an album if you want to physically get somebody something. Uh, the other cool thing was Google Lens, which is their technology that's able to not only distinguish what writing is, but you can actually hold it up on, a, on an Android device and to your neighborhood and say, okay, well, what store am I pointing at? And it's going to tell you the store. It's going to give you you know information based on what that source serves, the menu, and way more, I guess, context-sensitive information based on what you're looking at. So it's using the camera and checking your location and you know cross-referencing everything to find out what you're actually looking at. Well, that's, that's uh, of course, I, I just want to let people know you still have two good feet. You can still actually walk over to that store that's 10 feet away from you that you have your lens pointing at and look at their menu and see what they sell inside. Yes, I'm you just saying, could do that as well. I don't want to lose well. the human element here, Mark. That's all I'm saying. So funny enough, that, you know, what wasn't center stage this year, Google Iowa, was really uh, VR. We thought that we'd see a lot more VR elements or, or augmented reality, but that uh, didn't come to play. So, you know, lots more to come because the developer conference is kind of ongoing and we're going to see what other announcements come. And we're still about two and a half weeks away from Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, where they're expected to announce a new iPad, and we're going to see what's next for us in the latest operating system. There is more to come. Stick around. It is your tech report coming up, Ecobee and Sony. There's more your tech report after this. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 